Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, the principle of curiosity, the struggle to find speech, and the ring around the eclipse. This is Obstacle Course. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, struggle to find speech. We can both relate to that. Yeah, not not on the same <laughs> level as Joseph. <laughs> yeah, as you will hear. I mean, I mean Joseph. It was uh, he literally lost the ability to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after the, the the harrowing story that that you'll yeah. hear, um, and and his recovery, it's incredible. It's I I mean we don't like to compare stories, but no. a, of of all of the stories that we've had on Obstacle Course, this is one of the most like intense. Uh, but also, the result is is so beautiful and, and inspiring. It's it's really incredible. So I I know everyone you're you're gonna um, take something from this and. and you're you're probably not going to want to turn it off if you're only planning on listening to it and for half an hour or something. It's it's going to be a a good one. No, and, and we've we've talked many times on the podcast about the dark night of the soul and finding yourself on the floor and getting up off the mat and all these things. Joseph was literally on the floor in a closet, just laying in a pool of his own blood. Yeah. Um. Really, really minutes away from death. Yeah. And and. Uh, you know where he where he is now from that is just an extraordinary journey yeah i mean it's it's actually hard to believe but yeah uh truth is stranger than fiction sometimes yeah john how we met joseph uh was through the connection project yeah. put on by emily olson who is a past guest as well we were actually at the connection project with the podcast and there was an episode about it you might have heard that already wonderful listeners but for those of you who haven't quick rundown of the connection project it's a uh, a, an opportunity for those who have had challenges with mental illness to take the stage and and be advocates, be uh, leaders, and and help others who have struggled similarly. And John, you were one of the ones who was on stage. Yeah, I was. And, and one of my takeaways from that powerful, powerful night was just a reminder of the power of vulnerability. Um, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. Obviously, Brene Brown, um, you know, wrote the book on it, and. You know, we all know intellectually, hey, you know, when you share it, you know, people, you know, you, you open yourself up a bit and people, you know, are probably going to come around and show you love. But but it's almost deeper than that. Like what I experienced at the Connection Project was, especially in the room after, when we went back there, you know, as speakers, um, and after we had shared really from our soul, I think about all the speakers. I mean, they all spoke from their soul and shared some of the most dark humiliating moments of their life when we were back in that room there was no sense of like embarrassment or all these things we think about if we're going to be vulnerable or humiliation or i shouldn't have said that i mean the the tears were flowing the arms were embracing um we were hugging i mean we were we made a lifelong connection and and, mm -hmm. and it's just a, another reminder of when we're truly vulnerable with people when we truly open up ourselves and say 100% honesty with how we feel about perhaps them or even a fear we have, we create a lifelong connection. And when we're not vulnerable, we, we can't make those connections. Absolutely. And Joseph also spoke strongly towards curiosity. And, and when I was listening to you, John, I was thinking that if anyone is having trouble with trust in any sort of relationship, I bet the answer is a combination of vulnerability and curiosity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that seems Absolutely. like uh, the solution to, to any sort of trust 
problem that that might be existing i don't think there's much more that needs to be said for this introduction the the episode really speaks for itself it is um an incredible ride that that joseph courageously takes us on and there's there's so much to be learned from it yeah for sure and and i think you know even for ourselves andrew the more curiosity we have will probably continue to make us continue to make the show for a long long time you know um you know it's and and it's like anything you do for a long time curiosity ultimately keeps it going for sure and uh yeah what a what a powerful reminder cool let's get curious enjoy everybody All right, we're back with Joseph Briante. We had the honor of meeting you at the Connection Project, uh, where both John and you uh, had the stage at one point, and um, and now we're back to to really share your full story. Because in the episode that we did on the Connection Project, we just kind of got to got to meet you and and hear what you were saying before you went on stage. But now we we get the the full deal. So thank you for being here, Joseph. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah. Now, where where we were thinking of beginning, and, and this was maybe John's thing, so I, maybe I'll hand it over to him, but we, um, we had you right before you uh, went on stage is, is what we got some recording of, but then, then there was the, the next step, right, John? Yeah, so the people that tuned into that episode, um, they're probably wondering how it went. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are six months later or whatever. Let me tell you, it went amazing. Uh, Joseph, you you, uh, you shared with raw vulner- vulnerability, but also the dark humor. Um, you, you know, uh, listeners, you're going to find out there are some dark parts to Joseph's story. Absolutely. But 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 to be able to look at it through through a lens of humor is, I think, important in some ways. Um, you know, it, it it's probably allows you to allows a way through. And, and so... Um, I just I just liked how you shared so rawly, but also used humor as a way as a vehicle. Um, but what, what stood out to me is is after you got off stage, um, and then uh, we we sort of gathered in the room after as as speakers and presenters. Um, it was a really emotional time for all of us, um, and seeing how much you gave of yourself and how difficult that was, and so um, that that was just such a powerful moment of vulnerability and raw honesty, and, and it, you could tell it it took everything for you, for you to do that. And and I just thought maybe starting there, if you want to look back on that and, and, you know, remember that moment. Totally. Well, it's, it's funny to have this kind of hindsight view of it right now. Cause it's, um, it, it was a, a big moment, like almost like one of those peak experiences, but not in the way that like, hooray, like, you know, it's, it was celebratory, but it came with all this, yeah. this like cost to me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the uh, like exposure. Um, so when I got off a stage, um, I burst into tears and the beautiful, most beautiful thing of the whole experience was all my colleagues and supporters and coaches and mentors and the people involved in the production of the, uh, connection project like I was just like held and like hugged and like um, just like a baby, like a newborn baby. Like I was just like, you know, um, it, it felt it had this kind of rebirth mm-hmm. 
energy to it as well. Like just kind of, I was already stripped naked. Yeah. And, um, but having that, that love coming. Right. And, um, and it, it was, it was incredible. What do you think that image tells you uh, how, when you'd really gotten raw and vulnerable and opened yourself up, you were enveloped with love. What, what is that? What teachings does that moment keep for you? Um, that, 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 that the support is there. Like, right. When you're around like people who actually really kind of get it and, and, and also trusting like people, um, I, people are generally good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's all, there's exceptions and we can, um, but their, their depth and their goodness and their kindness and their regard and the empathy it's there. It's part of our humanity, right? When we, and instead of shying away from it, um, cause, cause tender, like grief, I find like, you know, a funeral can be, have that too. Like the veil is stripped. Like people are at this raw, beautiful place where they're just meeting you where you are. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I, I really think vulnerability is the doorway or the gateway to true deep connection. Because when I think about the people I feel most connected to in my life, they probably shared a raw part of themselves with me along the way at some point. And, and so, even with you, Joseph, uh, you know, we've gotten together for coffee, you know, once since then, and we've talked a bit online. But but that moment bonded us, I think, all together for life. Oh, totally. Right. Like, we'll never forget that moment. And, yeah. and that's just one moment. Imagine if this could become a habit where, where we can learn to be vulnerable people and, and experience that connection on a daily basis. I mean, what a we probably find deeper healing in ourselves and in the world. Oh, for sure. Um, the, it becomes like almost like it crystallizes something in a relationship. When they've had, when you have those nodes of connection, yes, right. It's like you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to question it as much. Like you're not, you're not doing negotiation anymore about like. And even if those, you know, those, you know, those old friends that you can just find, you can just yeah. step in, and mm-hmm. they're just there. I find that that I, that kind, that's the kind of bond that you can have when you're in that vulnerability. Absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, fantastic imagery and and um yeah a great a great parallel there joseph thank you for that um and for those of you who are unfamiliar with the connection project it, it is uh an event that has happened twice now and and will i'm sure will continue to go forward um here on vancouver island um where where people share their their own stories of of mental illness and mental wellness and and their own journey and and um it's a a very raw um, experience to to even just to witness it, which which I did, um, and and it was a, a, a powerful time. And and I I wonder if now we could um, go back, Joseph, and and if you could begin for the people who have not heard your story, if you could um, begin to to share um, in in the the incredible way that you do, um, if you could uh, take us through um, where where uh, maybe where you started when you were telling your story on stage at the connection project. Okay. It's hard to find time, uh, hard to find a, the exact spot to put, uh, to put this in there because it's uh, the threads go pretty deep. Um, I suppose uh, my, um, my life was starting to like fall apart in my like early, 
like late twenties. I had, uh, but I had a pretty severe underlying like depression. Like it was almost like it was ambient. It was like, I don't know, remember any kind of time frame when it wasn't sort of there in terms of like a negative self image for like self concept, self image, those kind of things. Um, and I was, I kind of would just push it away mm-hmm. and just, you know, muscle through things. Yeah. Um, and so I was, uh, in, in my, in my late twenties, I was a lawyer and I was doing intellectual property litigation. Um, and at first it was kind of really awesome because I was young and I was fresh and I was like, you know, kind of like, it was kind of pimped out lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And what, um, what, if I could ask, what was the most pimped out part yeah. of the lifestyle? Just um, probably what? the business travel. Yeah. Was, was pretty, was pretty awesome. Was it? Yeah. Just yeah. like flying everywhere. Well, we did, like it was intermittent, but when you get a when you got a business trip, you had like full on everything awesome. Like you, when you have to go back to like coach and stuff like that, <laughs> <laughs> like you get spoiled. Oh, those poor and, schmucks who have to fly in coach. But I know. Of course, I'm talking about me and Andrew. But. Yeah, totally. I've never not flown in coach. <laughs> yeah. And then when you get snatched away from you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and also, I guess the yeah, there's like. There's a lot of perks to it um, and a lot of hard work though as well. And so also I was doing like a, a lot of drugs. Like I was partying like a madman all the time for like probably for instance, I was 22 till this happened when it's like 32. So like a 10 year run of like heavy partying. And I, I think that, the um the kind of there was a point in my I was living in Toronto at the time and then I ended up moving to Vancouver later but I there was a time where I almost felt like I had like a mini psychosis like I had something had shifted fundamentally in my being and I just remember it was almost like um like a crumbling mm-hmm. and then from there I was just trying to put myself back together with coping as the best I could. So I get to Vancouver and I had like a full on manic episode at work. Like I, um, and it was, uh, it's hard to explain. It's like, in terms of like the, like deeply, like, I don't know what have I processed the shame of it too. Cause it was kind of like, Oh, here's a crazy guy. Right. And um, I hadn't really even got to the point where I've had any kind of diagnosis or anything or any treatment or nothing like that. So um, what I was, was kind of, what was involved in the episode at, at work, Joseph? Um, I just I wrote them a letter and told them to, like, go fuck themselves. <laughs> basically. Right. Yeah. Um, I had some other things going on there. Um, um, like, I'm gay. So it was like, kind of like it was an accumulation of just shit being thrown at you for your whole life right. as well. Yeah. Right. It was just kind of like I had had the, had at the end of my rope, like totally at the end of my rope. Um, 
Would would you say that the the drugs that you were using in that period of your life was was that um, because you were undiagnosed? Was that kind of your your own self medication? Was that was that the oh treatment? for sure, for sure. I didn't I didn't know how to cope otherwise. Um, and I had really it was interesting when I was um, that time I said I, I was in Toronto when I started feeling this like this shift or something was starting to crumble. Mm-hmm. I was simultaneously that I was starting to like explore like yoga and spirituality. Mm. And, but I did not have the language or that I had no tools. Right. Right. I was helpless at that point. And I was having these, these fundamental like plate tectonic type of things happening in my life, you know, and um, I was totally felt out of control and I didn't have any like real grounding or sense of self because it was kind of starting to dissolve uh, or disintegrate. But it was interesting that I, uh, that I started exploring like yoga and I remember trying to meditate, you know what I mean? But I had like, just like a manic crazy brain that was just like frantic all the time. So, and it kind of suited the the drive that I had in terms of like the intensity and I, I could stay up really late um, and work hard and like play hard, all those kind of things. So, um, I, I was really, I was starting, my support system was starting to crumble as well. So, um, like my job, like I was starting, I ran out of money. I was almost living in a truck kind of thing. Um, I had some like consulting work that was like barely feeding me. I was like, um, I was ended up living with my boss, like an, a boss who is like, um, who was running a company and he needed like someone to run a lot of things there. So I was like a gopher and a business consultant and things like that. And then they had the real giant crumble. Like it was like a, a pane of glass that just shattered my whole mind with, and I didn't know at the time, but it felt like very, um, yeah, like, like how they uh, use that, that device for sh- shattering a, uh, a car window, mm-hmm. that little punch yeah, and that little tiny punch. Went, and then I was completely, I, I felt like completely defenseless and I had no, I had nothing left. I didn't, um, what I was picking up in my, like my concept of what was happening was not real. It was like completely um, like delusional and the psychosis, the psychosis um, was absolutely terrifying. Like it was every every t- every place I had turned, it felt like a threat. Like my amygdala must have been just totally like fight or flight. Like, but it was you know it was like inanimate objects or a certain person looking at me in a certain way. Yeah. And so the constructed narrative of what was actually happening in like in reality vis a vis my own relationship to it. Uh, was fundamentally like just it was I had it was um, I the, the 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 terror of it is an, I've never had anything close like um, so this is the thing that's so interesting about how this unfolded is that in some ways I guided myself to safety um. So my parents live on the island and they had just moved here and retired. 
And so I told, I got on the ferry from Vancouver, went home, like I went and stayed with my parents and they took like one look at me and they were just like, something is totally wrong. And my sister's a nurse. Um, she had a friend who she called that was a psych nurse. And they're like, uh, take him to the hospital. He's having a psychotic break. Hmm. So of course I didn't, my parents were trying to tell me like they weren't using those kind of language. They're like, you need some help. And, but I did not listen. I was also, it started to, the paranoia started to be, I didn't trust my family. Mm-hmm. So um, my parents take me to the emergency. Um, I had kind of a, a turnstile admission. So I didn't get treated. I didn't get a diagnosis, nothing. And I guess it was maybe a five day period from the time that it, the, the site, maybe, I don't know, a week, five days or something. I don't, I'm not even conscious of the time frame. Um, yeah. I was wondering, wondering that Joseph in, in terms of the actual memories of that time, because, uh, as you've mentioned, the, the psychosis, your, your brain activity was, um, compromised and do you, yeah. do you actually have memories of of that period or do you just kind of know that it happened it's interesting because uh for a long time i had like traces of memory and and they were they were deeply triggering like there were things that i was um perceiving but not necessarily um i had made some meaning of it like i felt like it was some like like some sort of altered reality like a video game or something or um yeah because it had it had a had narrative themes but they were disjointed right so i would i would pick on um one thing that was uh, emotionally triggering or, or afraid of and then um go with it kind of mm-hmm. so uh i remember doing things like all kinds of things like burning things in the fireplace. And like, I wasn't sleeping. Um, I was, I was writing all kinds of things. Um, and just really trying to keep myself. I was like, I was terrified to go anywhere. Like, I, um, and my parents were trying to keep normal cause they were waiting for a phone call, you know, to, for me to check in. Like they they had said, okay, well you can come, you know, we're going to do some, said send me for counseling or something um which was like a month late like you know it was the the deed was done so as it as it ramped up um and i do remember this is um my parents yeah like i said they're trying to keep me grounded they're they're concerned they were watching my behavior like a hawk they took me for a walk in the forest, um, uh, in the backyard where my sister lives. And at some point I just totally was like, that's it. Cause I was, I was perceiving threats every step of the way. And, um, sounds, sounds like anxiety times like a hundred or something. Yeah. And vision too, like kind of like, it was kind of psychedelic in that way too. It was, it was like, a, it was like a really terrible trip. Mm-hmm. Like you felt like you were seeing things. I was seeing things for sure. Wow. Yeah. And the, um, the upheaval, um, the kind of the, like I felt it in my body. 
like I was in pain, like, and it, it, um, it's almost like, um, I likened it to like, like swallowing a, like a, a light bulb and having the glass coming through your body. Like it was excruciating. It was just sharp electrical. Um, it didn't have any really for, firm um, margins. It, I was like feeling that in my entire being, like uh, this rupture uh, or um, so at some point it was, I know, I know the only thing I remember it was in the morning because it was just after a breakfast and, and a walk and my, we had a dog at my parents had a dog at the time. So I told my parents, Oh, I forgot to get something. Can I have the keys? And I took their keys and their phone and I threw it in the woods. And then I ran into, I was into my sister's house and I got a giant butcher knife and it went in the closet closet. I closed the door and I just like slashed myself. And then um, I don't, it was so weird because I, I was almost like I did it anatomically correct. Right. Um, so my parents were like looking for the phone. They were pissed off. They didn't know what was going on. And then they, 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 they found me, but I was already like on a puddle of blood. And I was, um, I was like gasping for air. Like I was uh, heaving and gasping for air. So like simultaneously at the same time, like um, my brother-in-law came home and like they called the ambulance and did all this stuff. And um, so I don't remember when I woke up. I do remember the ambulance and I was having that kind of like, near death experience where I see myself on the ceiling kind of thing. Hmm. Um, I was really fading out, but at the same time I was, I remember trying to kick the ambulance drivers cause I was just like, fucking let me die. Like I wasn't, it was cause I felt like a relief. Hmm. Like it was, I felt like a sweetness of like just being back on my body. It was so weird. What was the, um, what was the relief from? Um, cause it stopped as I was like dying. What stopped? The pain. Hmm. I think it just like overrode everything else. So then I blacked out and, uh, a couple days later, I, 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 there's a lot of intervention. So I've had to, I had to have my blood completely replaced, um, uh, I was in like ventilated in a medically induced coma, all that kind of stuff. And then I wake up with, um, an anoxic brain injury on my like left hemisphere. So, um, cause it's my, my carotid artery was severed and my, the, my, the whole, all the blood in the brain was just, um, so I was in the hospital like for about four months wow. and during that time I was like having to like, I had to start to like, I couldn't speak. And I was like, my visual field was just, was certain things with vision, um, balance, auditory things. I was still hearing, I was still having kind of auditory hallucinations, like even past the point of regaining consciousness, 
I had like flashes of the psychosis still there. And I remember um, having like a security guard in my room, like in the hospital, because they didn't want to like anything to happen to myself or anyone else. So it's like, like I was, and I didn't actually know what happened hmm. fully. I didn't. Um, so, so Joseph, I, I want to yeah. go, I want to go back um, a, a little bit to when you're in the forest. Yeah. Um, and, and you had the moment, it was, it was almost the moment when things turned or something. You yeah, th- totally. You, you threw the phone, you threw the keys. What did you hear something in that moment? Was it, was yeah. it, did you know that you were going to run into the house and, and do what you did? Not, not completely. I needed, um, like, I think there was a turning point when I just stopped trusting everyone, even my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, I, cause I, they felt, it felt like there was this kind of like the, how twisted the psychosis becomes is that, um, like, the kind of severing of all the reality that's, you know, objective, you know, mm-hmm. when I was just having my subjective experience of, of, of that pain and that like absolute terror. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it felt like, um, like really adrenalized fear, like, um, like survival, like complete survival. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, the exact, I remember, I remember kind of that, how it pivoted. Um, but I don't, I don't entirely remember um, how or what the, the thinking behind it was. Um, but I think it was like, I had enough. I think it was, it was just, it was the, the point of, it was just that I just couldn't take it anymore. It was kind of like I said about the the bad trip. You're just riding it, and it didn't feel like it was gonna ever gonna end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and so, thank you for um, going there with us today, Joseph. I, I know it's um, we spoke about this before before we started recording, and and um, the the number one priority was that you were feeling safe now, and 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 um, we all felt good about that, um, but. Yeah, I, I, I do want to just express our appreciation because um, there, there's no doubt that um, as we learn from the Connection Project, uh, when we are vulnerable and, and share the stories that, that we've been through, it not only helps people who are listening, um, who probably haven't had the same experience, but there's there's often things that we can relate with. Um, and it also, as, as you've spoken about it, it can be therapeutic for yourself to to, to share it and, and to put it out there and, and knowing that it can be helpful. So um, just wanted to bring attention to that um, a little bit. But um, if, if we could, uh, you were talking about the, the rehab and, and uh, being in the hospital for four months and learning how to speak again and, and yeah. kind of te- teaching your brain how to, how to work again. If we could, um, if you'd walk us through a little bit of that process and then also um, the, the pain that you were, escaping from which is why why you took that action Uh, yeah did did it come back at all what was it still um in play as you were going through the the rehabilitation process i i there was the there was flashes of the psychosis for like maybe like weeks or months after 
like and I would have like it wasn't om- it wasn't omnipresent it was just like <gasps> like I would I would get startled yeah. by some of the thoughts that I was had had been inhabiting and so I would I I so I remember just kind of waking up um with that terror just like still in my in my experience and having to kind of reassure reassure myself that everything was because everything was not okay at the same, right? Obviously, I, my brain was mangled. Um, I didn't know who's, I, you know, I could, I knew who my family was for the most part, except I, I thought my sisters were the same person. Hmm. Like, it, that's how bad, like, it was, I called her the, I think my, my, my sister's name's Christina and Carla. And I think I called one sister, like, the other Carla. <laughs> like I didn't even <laughs> like yeah. Um, she must have just hated that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 initial stages of it were it was horrendous like it was so like I was having to drag myself through this this um, rehab process without um like also still terrified. I'm like, obviously I'm just like, oh man, this is like, like I'm fucked. Like mm-hmm. I am fucking fucked. If this is the way I'm, my life is going to be for the rest of my life, I am screwed. Mm-hmm. Like royally fucking screwed. Mm-hmm. Like it was, um, so that there was that part of that realization. And I, you know, like, you know, um, like I did remember re- kind of receiving that like, oh, oh. Right. Like part of you're still still parts of the brain were aware enough. I wasn't. Um, I knew it was bad, too, like especially um, like trying to speak again. It took me years. So it kind of uh, went from like muttering to, to stuttering to fluid speech. And it took me like uh, probably at least five years of total like dedication. And as a lawyer, I mean, that was your jam, right? Oh, totally. Like you were, you were, that that was a gift of yours. I mean, it was a talent. It was your profession. My profession. Yeah. So having to relearn the basics of something that just came probably easily to you, um, that must've been, um, what did that feel like? Do you remember feeling like trying to speak again and feeling that like wrestling? Oh, it was, it, there was that big struggle with that. Like, it. W- I remember one of the first memories of coming out, like I, when I, the stage of becoming, like being conscious again, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could speak. I don't, I, I don't know if I could even produce sound. Um, and, uh, and then, just nothing like there was something coming out, but it wasn't what I expected. And then the inability is like the paralysis. Yeah. Um, with it, it was, uh, and then having to, and then, you know, getting you on, on track to start to, to sound out words and stuff like that. Um, or, or making shit shapes with your mouth. 
that's that's where they have like have to start i remember having to um like i was uh tube fed as well because i couldn't swallow at first so the mechanism for swallowing wasn't there so i was uh I had a, a t- I was getting tube fed and then like, so I was, it, it was awful. Like it was terrible um, to, um, I remember when they, the four, the four months was over, I was not even close to being like functional or like, it took me 10 years to be rec- like independent kind of thing. Um, my parents, I felt like I was just like a house plant or something. Like it was, uh, they took me home and I just didn't have a lot to do yet. And I needed space. Like I, I subsequently I did eight, about 18 months of neuro rehab, um, outpatient where I had some, some momentum and I had more tools and I was fu- starting to function a little bit better. Um, but even at the early stages, I remember one of the the memories I had of like difficult rehab was I was in a room and there was a group and they had um, activities where they give you um, a deck of cards and you had to suit them into sort into into um, suits. And um, everyone was done. The, all the other people and there, everyone's got brain injuries or strokes. Right. And I wasn't, I was like waiting. I, I couldn't finish and everyone was waiting for me. And I looked up and like, everyone was just done and I'm waiting. And then I, I walked out of the room when I was finished and I just, I'm not going back. Like I was, dev- it was so devastating. Mm-hmm. Like it was such a simple thing to do. I was like, you know, Here's the hearts and here's the spades, right? And not and sequential sequential thinking. Mm-hmm. So um, the next day, I I just was like, I'm not going. And then <laughs> I ended up getting like the they talked to my psychiatrist, and I'm like, and then I was su- I just went into a completely depressive hole. Like I just could not handle it anymore. Um. So I ended up getting like a cop came to our, to my parents' house and they took me and ex escorted me to the, like um, the depression ward of uh, the hospital. And I had for, I was there for a month and then they, then it went back into uh, the rehab, but it was, it was one of those things that was like sequential, like, um, like having to climb out of another hole yeah. over and over and over and over again. And um, yeah, it was brutal. When you were going through that brutal, grueling process of rehab, did you ever, um, did those thoughts of, of being fed up ever come back? Uh, did, did you ever get, get close to that point or, or had things changed by then? Uh, it's interesting because um, I think the 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 depressed the depression was has been omnipresent in some ways. I think um, uh, I'm I'm managing it a lot better now. But what's interesting 
was I never had like that, that kind of like really violent, um, like ideation. However, like I wanted to die for a long, like a lot, like I would have periods of like really, really severe depression and get stuck during that process a lot. Um, Cause uh, yeah, the, the one step forward, two steps back so is probably like 10 steps back a lot of times. Cause it, you know, um, the, the traction that's required, the momentum um, for having to relearn things from that, that's that you took for granted um, is, is it's very difficult. You know, there's other parts of your brain that you can graft onto Right. You know, because everyone's still got strengths. Right. If you have um, uh, um, neurological damage, if you've got a couple um, places that you could just kind of solder and, you know, mm-hmm. wire together. But if there's places that you're having to start right from the beginning, it's it, it's it was really, really hard. So and not seeing them, not seeing the big picture a lot of times or not even knowing that you that there's a possibility of improvement. It's almost like uh, the the places where I felt like I got the most stuck where is when it was like this static thing that I'm never going to have a, like a quote normal life or I'm never going to recover to the person I want to be. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's, that's the hardest part. You know, Joseph, in listening to to your powerful story, um, I can't help but think that that what it sounds like was going on is, is with some people when they go through a really horrendous time or a trauma, it, it's this disconnection with something outside themselves or with another person or with another thing or a situation. But your story very much sounds like a disconnection with yourself. Oh, for sure. Like 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 an identity, like a break. And, yeah. And so. I'm wondering, you know, now you're, you know, somewhat removed from it. Um, yeah. What do you think ultimately was that disconnection that was happening within you? Mm. Like, are we talking about the, the, the primary one or yeah. my, or the part of identity? Uh, I, I, rackle, I, uh, I really struggled with the, the rift between like the smart person or like the lawyer right. and then the state I was in. Yes. And right. the comparison right. and the hopelessness and also that the, the physical severing from um, the possibilities of, you know, um, that kind of place of stasis for or the cocoon I was in where life seems to be moving except for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like that's a mindset, but it's also um, like, you know, kind of the space time. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. And the slowness of what's required for, for neuro, neuroplastic change and not having a guide either. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, um, yeah, terrifying. It's terrifying. You know, there's, um, you know, luckily it was interesting because like the neuro, my parents got that book, the, the brain, the brain that changes, changes itself by, uh, Norman Deutsch. And it, it, there was a, there was a turning point where, I started to take control of my destiny and my, my, my rehab. I had, it, it, it was a, it was kind of like getting um, some core functions back online. Yeah. And then 
once that was established, like I was like, oh, like I'm going to take the bus to go see a certain like therapist or do a certain practice. Um, and once it became my autonomous journey, then a lot of things changed a lot. You know, I was, um, and I could see demonstrable change happening. The initial, the initial period, like you could, you, you couldn't see in that darkness at all. Hmm. So the, the piece about the autonomy, I think that's where, um, because I've been subsequently self-directed in a lot of ways. Um, and it's that, that kind of, that's a, that in, intrinsic motivation that, that keeps, and the curiosity. Once I could get curious about things, um, a lot of things changed. And then and the, other, the other thing that I would say that's, that goes hand in hand with this was um, my intact part of my, my other cerebral hemisphere my right brain was like, I don't know if it's totally intact, but um, I had this kind of instinct to play. Like I was, you know, if I was seen as like infantile, well, I kind of was, I was just the one to do like making art and, um, and all those type of things like movement and art and then music. And those things start to like, they came in in a therapeutic way. Um, I worked with art therapists and music therapists. And then I, once I kind of got my gears moving, I was doing that for myself, right? Like learning, like the active learning process of doing things very tactile, doing collage, making paintings. Um, like I went from music therapy to piano lessons and voice lessons. Hmm. And that transition from voice from speech therapy to uh, getting a singing coach. So hmm. that, 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 that autonomous self-directed part of my being was kind of starting to guide the, sh- guide the show a little bit, like a lot more, right. With a lot of support from, um, you know, therapists and my parents and like people around me. So. Well, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate um, and acknowledge how g- well you're telling this story right now, your, your own story, um, because I was going to ask about exactly the kind of the, the turning point or, or um, how you begin to, to level up your recovery. And, and you, you didn't even need to be asked. You just, you just no, smoothly yeah. transitioned <laughs> right into that. So um, great work there. A question that I was going to ask, uh, do you consider at this point to be recovered or at, at what point in your recovery now, if you don't feel to be recovered, at what point do you feel that you're in? Uh, it's interesting. I find that I, if I, to claim being recovered, um, it has been a process and a lot of it still has to do with sort of like old that kind of ego architecture, you know what I mean? The identification, like For sure. uh, yeah. not wanting to be um, uh, it's, it's, there's some, like, there's some pain still there that, um, that is maybe I just have to live with, right? It's like almost like the, um, the loss and grief piece 
I, it's still something that I have to contend with a lot. Like I, a lot of process to do with the, the kind of intangible loss and tangible, like everything was kind of wiped out. I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, 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 the notion of how, how my life should have looked or, or anyone's life should look, um, is like, that's where you, where I had a lot of rest, uh, I wrestled a lot with. I don't feel like, um, if I want to, if I want to do something, I will do it and I won't let that stop me anymore. Right. Yeah. I, um, I, um, do you think that that pain that you, you speak of that is, is still present? Do you think it's, it's playing a, a, a positive role in any way? Possibly. Maybe it's like a little bit of a check on things, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I, I, there's some weird barometer with like depression almost. And I always find that like when you learn from it, when you, when you take like the, when you meet that difficulty and you bump against it over and over again, and you kind of um, like become, be in relationship to it rather than pushing it away. You know, what I, what I was thinking about was just, you know, the, the break that you describe um, in, in some ways, I mean, you talked about ego, you mentioned that yeah. a few times. And I just think, I think in some ways, um, I mean, your your journey obviously was, was unique as is all of ours. But I mean, I think there's a part of your story that is all of our story in terms of like, we all have, have to eventually break from our own ego, like our own, yeah. Like, like in my, in my story with the connection project, my, my whole thing was like finding out that there was a, my, my true self wasn't being listened to. Right. Totally. And so there was this, like, perhaps this architectural John, this egoic John, this false John that was in charge. And, and, um, my true self wasn't, uh, wasn't a fan anymore. And it was like, let's get that guy out of here. And so I just, I just wonder if there was any of that in your own experience. Yeah. Oh, totally. And there's, there's a, there's a, a residue of it. The, the kind of the, the person I had wanted to be, um, like the lawyer, the successful, like materially successful, um, somewhat a, the somebody, the pimped up lifestyle. Yeah. The pimped up lifestyle. <laughs> the, yeah. That piece, like that's where there's a lot of like, I have painful identification with it because I feel like I can't live out. I can't live up to that anymore at all. It's gone. But at the same time, I'm like, there's a grasping, there's a wanting to be this intact, like image out there, mm-hmm. but it's just like a carcass, not even a carcass. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, it's already been decomposed. Yeah. Um, and that's the place I can occasionally get stuck and that's, you know, um, like beat myself up or look at what I've done or as with a sense of like diminishment, mm-hmm. you know, or let this less than and like comparison, um, like, like you, to feel the full brunt of being like a, a loser, like no one wants that, right? Mm-hmm. Like no. you're going to like, you're going to like do anything to not feel that. But it's also that sense, like the sense of loss, um, because it was kind of uh, everywhere, right? It wasn't like a loss of a, a, a one relationship or um, a person. It was just this, and there's no place for it to go. There, you're not, you're not sharing 
a loss with someone else. It's like the the loss of the identity is a really tricky terrain. Like I don't I don't know because it's it's inherently false. It's yeah. not who you are ever. It never was mm-hmm. the idea of it. Um, and then this, you know, these are also like socially sanctioned, yeah. right? The expectations of um, success and like worldly success and all those other things, they're like heavily conditioned as um, aspirational goals for like almost everyone, yeah. right? Like that's why we have lotteries and, you know, people that want to aspire to a position of, of power and stuff a lot of times, right? So if you do this, you'll be this. Yeah. For sure. And, and it, it may or may not make you actually feel fulfilled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but please buy this product anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, we, we don't have a ton of time left. And there's, uh, there's so many more places that, that I, I'd love to go here. Um, but one, one um, maybe, maybe simple question, but um, one, one important question that I think uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your answer to um, in, in that grueling recovery period and rebuilding of identity or creating a new identity or, or just being the person that you you chose to be, what, what stands out as being something that you're the m- most proud of? Hmm. Uh, that's a really good question. Because I had like a lot of milestones in terms of what, uh, and my speech isn't perfect yet. Um, I did, I worked really hard on a lot of things. Um, get, I had some stuff with my, with my visual field and, um, that's a good, you know, to start to gain my independence was like, you know, I, I decided I wanted to drive again and I was told like, it's probably not a possibility, right? And I needed to, I need to like, I needed to have that built into my life so I could get around and like move in the world. Right. And, um, it sounds, it was still an, uh, like a, a really big undertaking. I think that with the speech as well. And, um, like I've retained, I've, I've, um, like I'm back in school and, um, I don't know, like, I'm really functional. Like, it's just, you know, overall, like, no one thinks that I ever had anything happen at all. Hmm. Uh, except for some, like, little, like, um, like, I have a lot of pauses, or I, I, I sometimes still stutter. But, um, you know, for the most part, like everything's it's, I think it's the functionality now. It's like, it's like overall functional, uh, overall function. Well, and also for, for me, the thing that stands out the most is you were in a place so dark that you, that you tried to violently take your own life yeah. and, 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 and end life. And now um, just a few minutes ago, you talked about how one of the things that brings you the most joy is creating yeah. And, and your creativity and you're now giving like you're now joining the side of life. But and that is ultimately what creation is, is now totally. you're creating life through your I've seen you. I've seen you, you know, you're, you're online a lot and you'll sing and and you're writing and, and there's probably many other forms of creation, your art. 
and, yeah. and you've gone from from death to life. I mean, that it's, it's oh, totally. The, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate transformation. Totally. And, and, and uh, yeah, I I feel like that. Um, like the the most my biggest drive through that whole thing. I was still curious. Like I still loved life. Yeah. And I um, that was the piece that was hard to reconcile. Like it was so violent and destruction destructive. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like that's like I was guided by curiosity. I, I like that was it was it was like the beacon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like if you can stay interested with something, even if it's fucking horrible, right? Like if you're like um, uh, a situation, if you have enough curiosity and like his curiosity will turn the corner, yeah, with it's, you. It's almost the antidote to hopelessness. It is. Yeah. It totally is. And it's, you know what it is about it is it's gentle too. Mm. It's just kind of like a prodding intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I wonder. Like you, it's just like, yeah. you're like, oh, I wonder what's a- around the corner and not from a fearful place because it's actually enticing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's almost like having to, to re, re, um, capture, um, like it's, it's very, it's very childlike in, in the wisest sense of the term. Yeah. Yeah. I right. Love, love that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of beauty in just asking questions, being curious. And especially if you start that question with, I wonder like the, there's yeah. an endless possibility of outcomes when you start down that path. Totally. And that it has this open quality to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's you're, you're probing, you're questioning, you're curious and you, you still, um, it's, it's, it can guide your get behavior and your, your choices, but you also know that it's not a fixed de- destination. And I think keeping that open, keeping that door open for possibility, um, mystery, yeah. mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, you know, like at the, at the level of the brain, like it thrives on novelty. That's how we learn. Right. We get stuck when we're like static. I mean, stagnant mm-hmm. or static, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe just as a as a final question um, from my end, at least, at least, and just in this conversation, because m- more curiosity will inevitably follow. <laughs> um, but what um, if you were to give a piece of advice to someone who was um, in in a dark moment? Um, such as one of the those that you went through what what piece of advice might you give that person huh this might come with back with the with a with with the curiosity but to have the ability to stay with it yeah right mm-hmm. that 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 change is around the corner like nothing is ever our perception of, of, of pain or discomfort, um, is, um, is just a perception. Like it's, there's the, the amenity to change. Um, and, uh, I, I guess, yeah, like, I think that curiosity, that's like, I think that's like, that's the, my guiding principle in my life right now, probably forever. Yeah. Like it's, there's, it's a hunger to it too, right? Like there's a, um, 
Well, and the great thing about curiosity is you, is you never arrive. Exactly. Right. You're, you're never like, oh, all right. I mean, I pretty much got everything now. You know, I, I'm good. You know, it's just like the obstacle course. You know, you never you never get to the point where you're not having to deal with shit anymore. <laughs> like, it's totally. Just, it's a daily it's a daily walk. And, and if you just and if you like you said earlier, if you can just relax into it, if you can just, you know, be with it um, each day, then and keep keep being curious about it and keep um, knowing that, um, you know, things things can get better as long as you keep moving, um, yeah. you know, all of a sudden these things that used to kind of these waves that used to like, you know, knock you down now just kind yeah, of yeah. kind of just nip at your knees a little bit. They're the same waves, yep. but they just don't knock you down anymore. And it's just, I do have a little anecdote about that. Perfect. I has to, it has to do with the, um, the curiosity is, uh, I was like, I don't know how many rounds of depression I had gone through during this period. Like it seemed to, it was cyclical. There was some, you know, um, there was some rhythm to it. I just was not able to like tap in all the time, but it would be, um, I was, um, I was lying, I was taking yoga teacher training. I was lying in a beautiful place. Like I was on, um, on a beach and I was in Qualcomm beach in the middle of the summer, not a sky in the, uh, not a cloud in the sky. And I was like being pummeled by depression. But like, the thing is, is that, 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 that curiosity was just like, Hey, um, wait a minute. Like how, how's this, how's this? Like I'm on this beautiful place. I'm doing things I love and I'm still feeling this. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like this, um, like a ring around an eclipse. Like I could see the light and it was like, the light was bigger. Mm -hmm. And as when you, you just need a tiny bit of that. You just need a tiny bit of it. Cause like, and that's, you know, being aware and curious around, Hey, why? Like I asked myself like almost a scientific question about this. The depression didn't. And from there I could stay with it. Yeah. And it started to change on its own. It moved. Things moved forward mm -hmm. um, without having to like strong arm it and, it, and, it, and giving it the, the proper attention and like, you know, um, and the nuance around it, you know, it's not an absolute. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's an amazing image, Joseph, and and just the story, like your incredible story. Thinking, whoever would have thought in the the moments and days where, where you were relearning how to even sound out vowels, that journey and transformation and work that brought you to where you are now, where you're on stage sharing your story with hundreds of people beautifully eloquently um it it just shows the power of humanity the the power of our strength of your strength but the inherent human character the strength in that i mean it, it's it's almost hard to believe but it, uh, it's real because yeah. it's you i mean this is just what you're bringing and and it just shows that with that curiosity and effort and energy and, and will um what isn't possible it, it, coming from where you were to where you are now? It's 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 absolutely mind-boggling and just 
really, really inspiring. So thank you so much for um, for sharing even just that piece of your story. I, even though I'm sure uh, us and everyone is who's listening is is super curious to to hear even more. Thank you. It was a pleasure and an honor. Yeah, man. Th- this this was this was such a such a mind trip. <laughs> I mean, it, was, yeah. it really it really was. You know, in in the very best way. Um, thank thanks for letting us in, letting us into that darkness and um, in that vulnerability. I mean, I I, I feel it again. Um, it, it's just it's such an important important thing. And, and w- once again, um, for us to be able to experience this is, is such a pleasure of being able to host a show like this. So thanks for agreeing to come on and and share. And I know you're gonna um, bring hope and hopefully curiosity to to hundreds of people. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot. And that's the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us at all the usual places. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. We're very active on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast. And speaking of Facebook, we have a great new growing community called the Obstacle Course Community that you can join, dialogue with Andrew and I and your fellow listeners about the previous week's episode and any obstacles you're dealing with. And we do appreciate reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Google, Facebook, whatever. It helps people find the podcast. And it has nothing to do with our fragile egos. Well, uh, you know, we just like to hear back from great people just like yourselves. Thanks for listening, everybody. Keep pushing through those obstacles.